He talks about an enlightened individual named Walter Russell. And what he says is, each man and woman has consummate inner genius within them. However, it's either your awareness or unawareness of this infinite power that determines your output. The mediocre man's life ends at 40, where the genius's life starts at 40. So in terms of that question, I believe that every human, in the fact that they're human, has that innate genius they can access. Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the game changers and experts to tackle the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, switch your career, or just get inspired, I provide you the guests to give you tactics, strategies, and mindsets to build the life you want and crush your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Rob Fajardo. He is the co-founder and president of Leave Normal Behind. When I met Rob, we instantly connected, and I knew I wanted to bring him onto the show. Leave Normal Behind is for the people who are motivated, they're energized, they're studying on their own, teaching themselves, looking to make an impact in the world, leave a legacy in their communities, whatever shape or form that may look like. And I wanted to have Rob on the show because he talks about uniting all these people and how we can all work together to support each other to achieve our goals. He's a super bright guy. As you'll hear from our conversation, I was blown away with his knowledge and the quotes. And I really wanted to talk to him about, you know, how do you leave the normal behind? How do you transform your life? If you're in that right, if you're stuck, like how do you get moving forward with creating the idea that you have, going after your passions and your dreams, because that's what they're all about. And so here is my interview with Rob. A couple side notes before we get into it. He is a contributor and writer at Influensive. He's also an advisor at Founders. And like I said, he is the president and co-founder of Leave Normal Behind. So without further ado, here is Rob Fajardo. On the line with me, I got Rob. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going there today, brother? Amazing, dude. Every day is a great day to be great. How are you, Phil? I'm great, too. Thank you for asking. Where are you right now? I see behind you there's a whiteboard. And so obviously the audience won't see this, but you know, give them a, a little yeah, spoken no interpretation of where you're at and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so right now we're in uh, Newark, New Jersey. We're at Founders, which is a business incubator started by Gerard Adams um, to create good ideas and, and to help give back to the community. You know, So Gerard's a really awesome dude. He uh, sold Elite Daily, which is like a blog site, uh, to Daily Mail for about $50 million a couple of years ago and then really moved over into philanthropy and giving back and then with some of the things that we're doing leave normal behind sofro and the values that we stand for um partner up with gerard and like hey you know let's stay local let's stay in new jersey we're thinking about moving out out to cali but like let's let's go back to the inner city and you know help people so we're in the business incubator here and founders we're with a bunch of entrepreneurs right now so it's a little loud that's why is he the millennial uh yeah 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 yeah, that's Gerard. I love his YouTube stuff. I've been watching some of his because he's got a, a show out now, right? Where he interviews some pretty badass people. And so I've yeah, definitely leaders caught one of his leaders. Guys. Leaders create leaders. That's it. Yeah. That's amazing. So we're going to be doing some big things with LCL and LNB. That was a big, big thing of uh, how we were brought together and getting some videos together and uh, yeah, just helping out with everything. Just full partner. You know, it's awesome. When I had saw Gerard and, you know, thoughts become things, you know, it's just like, I'd be like, wow, you know, but there was somebody I'd want to partner up with at that level that really resonates with us was Gerard, you know, and then to like be with him and 
just being friends, you know, and, and be, have it actually come to fruition. It's just like that law of attraction moment, you know, where it's just like, wow, like I was thinking about this a couple months ago. I didn't really know Gerard and a couple months go by. And it's like, now we're working together. Again. So really cool stuff. Amazing. Let's get into it. I always like asking if your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book, Rob? Tell me. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you asking that because currently um, I'm working on a full lab book with 10 authors. Uh, Melissa Kravacek is the one who is leading it. She's written six books, three of them international bestsellers. And I just recently got this awesome opportunity to write a chapter in it. I really was putting a lot of thought to it because I've been wanting to write my own book. And I think what the book title would be is, you know, my life was a title and my first book is The Inspired Soul. The Inspired Soul. I think that is what really resonates with me. I think it encapsulates a lot of my belief system as well as just like a pinnacle moment, a pit, like a, like the epitome of what we can as humans achieve through inspiration. So to have an inspired soul that's just limitless, loving, compassionate, thoughtful, you know, and, and starting with your passion, starting with why, I think that would be my chapter, to, my book title, because this is really where I center my life around, is, is being inspired, loving what you do, loving yourself, and realizing that inner genius. I love it, inspired soul. It's like a new hashtag name for you. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. I, I really think that's what resonates with me. I put, I put some thought into that. Do you feel like so, an inspired soul is an overarching, you know, name for you? But at the same time, is that something you're born with, or do you feel that's something that you have developed over time, and that's a complete mindset that you, as the way that you live your life, have created for yourself? I'm curious. To yeah, know. yeah, and and, I th- and this has really come up in conversation, just understanding like the capacity of people, and you know, you always hear that with entrepreneurs is like, is being a true entrepreneur innate, or is it learned? You know, is being good at sales innate or is it learned? Is being someone that has charisma and can lead people, is that innate or can it be grown? And I'm one that always defaults to human potential. So there's a quote that I like in The Man Who Taught the Secrets of the Universe by Glenn Clark. He talks about an enlightened individual named Walter Russell. And what he says is, each man and woman has consummate inner genius within them. However, it's either your awareness or unawareness of this infinite power that determines your output. The mediocre man's life ends at 40, where the genius's life starts at 40. So in terms of that question, I believe that every human, in the fact that they're human, has that innate genius which they can access by becoming inspired, by getting into flow state. You know, those moments when you say time just passes because you're so ingrained in what you're doing. You know, I feel like just as humans, anyone can access their creative abilities when entered into that state. And that unleashes, you know, the skills and potentials that we all innately have. I think some just choose to practice and amplify those more than others. And that's why it shows it's like a diligent, dedicated practice. But I feel like everyone definitely has the tools. It just depends if you're sharpening them or not. It reminds me what Stephen Pressfield talks about in The War of Art. He mentions, and I'm going to butcher this, that genius in the Latin word is basically like it's a spirit, right? If you look at the Latin words of the word, part of it means your spirit and within you, that is like a creative soul. And so he talks about in the book where, you know, if we let that spirit free and move forward, then it's going to pursue that greatness and pursue that 
impact it wants to make in the world and create what it needs to, right? As opposed to, like you said, are you sharpening that pencil or not? And if you choose not to sharpen it, then you will have an outcome that is not a sharp soul, not a sharp genius. You're not going to be creating what you want in the world. <laughs> exactly. Let's get into, you know, you do many things, but if somebody meets you at a cocktail party and they ask, what does Rob do? How do you answer that question? What do you tell them? Yeah, so I tell them that I co-founded a movement called Leave Normal Behind, which is all about helping others live a life of purpose by becoming the best version of themselves and creating things that matter. And we've been able to build this community organically now to a couple thousand around the globe. Now really working on building that message and making it viral. And I'm the president of Sofro, uh, which is a business development company that helps create things that matter. Right. So essentially the unison between the two comes from LMB is very passion driven. Become the best version of yourself and create things that matter. We throw events, merchandise, concerts, non for profit where we're going to, you know, where we reinvest the money that we make. And then we're like, well, you know, this is our passion. How can we make a living from this? And then that's when we created Sofra to create things that matter. If you're becoming the best version of yourself, you're reading more, you're loving more, you're eating better, you're working out, you're, you know, you're understanding how to navigate your mind correctly, then hopefully you have a good idea. And if you have a good idea and you want to create things that matter, then we can move you over to Sofro, which is where we'll make the websites, the apps, drive the traffic, do the business development, consulting, coaching, help people with their courses, membership sites, Facebook ads, you know, the whole nine, you know, anything that you need for your business to develop, that's where we help. Um, so it's been a good filter for us to use that bridge as a conduit in between the two and then also create like financial stability for ourselves to continue, you know, giving more value than we take in payment, leading with love and, you know, monetizing something that in the beginning seems difficult to monetize and then culturally as you're consistent, you start to develop that organic traffic where, you know, you have people come to you for ideas and you're able to start getting those, that fixed fee work as like a freelancer that you eventually can turn into an agency, you know, so... That, that, that would, that's what I would say to Cocktail Party. You know, I'm, I'm involved in apps, you know, so I'm a growth hacker. The movement Leave Normal Behind, would that basically be, that's your, your non-profit, that's kind of like you're giving back to the world, and then Sofro was where you're making money, right? Just to clarify, that's kind of yeah. like how it's separated. One is very yeah. much a passion project, a movement. There's not really a lot of revenue behind it, and the other one's more how you're getting by on your day-to-day. Yeah, one, they, like if you were to put them side by side to each other, one's just the front door and one's the back door. People come in through L&B, we share the same values of wanting to become the best version of ourselves and create things that matter, and then the people that want to continue creating things that matter can move over to the SoFro side, um, where we actually help them with their businesses. If they're entrepreneurs or, you know, sometimes people just want consulting or social media stuff, you know, so it, it could be anything. And for the audience, when Rob says L&B, he, that's the acronym in short form for leading yeah. normal behind. Yes, yes, thank you for that clarification. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, get into Leave Normal Behind. What is it for people that are listening for the first time, have never heard this in their life? What is yeah. LMB? Yeah, so LMB started as an ideology that's really grown rapidly and taken form because of how organic it was created and how much it's shared. Its values are meant to be shared with others. Right? Another quote I like from Walter Russell is, man cannot multiply by himself unless he divides himself in all others. Uh, you cannot multiply anything unless you can be divided in other people. 
And it started from us from an idea. I'm a millennial. I'm 22 years old. Uh, and the quote that is, you know, the average person dies before 25 and is buried at 75. Or something that really, really lit, you know, fire in me. To understand that a lot of my my friends, you know, student loan just passed credit card debt as the highest debt in the United States. You can't, you know, you, you got to go to school to get a job. But as soon as you get a job, you have to pay off school. Where it's like in order to go forward, you got to go backwards. And then I'm a big believer that school teaches you how to learn. And it doesn't necessarily teach you what to learn. Right. And in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. You can go on Google. You can go on YouTube and learn what you want to learn. Now, you know, we never had these abilities ever. Um, and the difference between a rich man and a poor man is what is what you do in your spare time. We all have 24 hours in a day. And realizing these things, I was like, wow, a lot of my friends are headed for doom. A lot of my friends are going to die before they're 25. Their dream, their light is going to be out. You know, your dreams aren't realistic. It's too hard. You don't have the money. You don't have the networks. It's impossible. What's the chances it could actually happen to you? All this stuff, you know, but then you live your life 50 years. 50 years doing something that you kind of like doing, you have some skills in, but it doesn't fulfill you. And, you know, there's four levels of, of people. You have people who are unconsciously incompetent. It means they're unconsciously, they're not aware that they can be doing more or doing better. So they're content. They're just unconsciously incompetent. They're unaware that they can improve. The majority of people, millions of people, are consciously incompetent. They're very aware that they could be doing more. And while they're able to live a life, moments of happiness are fleeting. They come at parties, they come in moments. True laughter is fleeting, you know, like euphoria, it's fleeting. Because it happens in a moment, but then you're brought back to, oh, I didn't create the life, design the life where that's, that's where I can stay there. So I'm consciously incompetent. You know, then the third level is, is where you move and you're consciously competent. You know, you're consciously becoming aware that you're becoming better. You're reading on purpose, listening to audios on purpose, following your dreams on purpose. And then lastly, that fourth stage is where the master is, is that's being unconsciously competent. That's just what you're doing is what you need to be doing. And there's a quote from one of my friends and mentors, Jonathan Amaret. He's on the West Coast. He's a NASA presidential scholar, worked on the Mars Space Projects, film director or film writer international best-selling author, acclaimed author, and what he says is that the master does nothing, yet leaves nothing undone. The master does nothing, yet leaves nothing undone. And what that means to me is it's like, the master has designed a life where by simply breathing, by simply doing the things habitually and routinely that they would do every day, accomplishes all that needs to be done, which feels like nothing is being done. Because everything the master does is engineered to do everything anyways. Everything is just serendipitous. Everything is just streamlined. You know, just everything is routine. Um, and that's when we made LNB was we realized that like, wow, love would fix all of this. True. Like people loved other people that would just fix everything. But, but you can't love others until you love yourself. You can't love yourself until you know yourself. Then we said, what? Well, why do people not know themselves? And they get distracted from their family, their friends, great people, the media, and they forget that oneness. They forget that dream. They forget that why, that, that purpose that makes them really know themselves and why they're here. Um, and then it's hard to love yourself. And if you can't love yourself, how could you love other people? You know, and we need a lot of love right now in the world. You know, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's there, you know, and, and that was something that we foresaw two and a half, three years ago at this point. 
And we're like, wow, we could really do something powerful with, with millennials and, and beyond with the power of social media, with this message that is shared. You know, we're not the only people that, that want more love, that want to become the best version of themselves and create things that matter. You know, that's, that's something that a lot of people can get behind and, and have and more are, you know, so that's what LMB is, is, is creating that community that gives you the resources to do that. Right. LNB for us isn't like, it's not scalable to take somebody who's unmotivated and try to hold their hand. Hey, become the best version of yourself and hold your hand. What we call that is, is turning a no into a yes. Don't turn a no into a yes in your life, in your relationships, even in business. It's not worth it. You turn a no to a yes, you want to sell something into your thing. No, no, no. You convince them yes. Now that they're yes, they'll be the worst customer anyways. They'll give you so many problems. They'll complain so much that you'll lose money on the back end because you got money in the front end. Same thing with a relationship, right? You want somebody boyfriend, girlfriend, you're trying to attract this person, then you keep trying, 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 and then it's a no, it's a no, it's a no, but it could be yes, then you finally get the yes. When they're yes, they suck. They're the worst yes anyways, you know, so just go for the yeses, and that's what we did with LMB, is for the yeses, for the people who are motivated, inspired, want to change their life, want to leave Roma behind. Well, here's a community where you're going to get that positive peer pressure and the resources to do that, right? Because it's basically LNB is like, imagine a train coming down and we just turn the tracks to show here's another way, give you all the resources we community to do that, but allow you to go your own way and be an action taker to, and move first. Right? If you take one step, we'll take two steps, but we don't often take the first step because there's not enough time. There's not enough time to help, you know, billions of people. You only can really help the yeses. So that's why we made LNB, you know, to be that culmination of utilizing social media events, merchandising. Powerful ideology, technology, um, in a very altruistic way, you know, and really understanding that, you know, if you empower others, if you build a community of other people becoming the best version of yourself, how could you not benefit 10, 100 fold? You know what I mean? If, if you're surrounded by people doing that. So that has been our, our whole philosophy from the get go. Well, and that definitely speaks to me, right? Because I started this podcast back in September and at the time I was working in the corporate world and I knew that there was more to life than being in a corporate financial field. And I felt like I want to help people out and it's like, I want to give back. And so I created your next chapter because I was like, I'm 31 and it's like, I don't want dreams to die at 25. And I, I felt that and I was like, I was miserable in my job and I'm like, you know, I need to move past this. It's like, there's only one way I'm going to be fulfilled and happy. And it's like, if I really pursue my creative artistic side. And so I turned down a promotion at work thinking that like, you know, I'd still have my job, but they fired me within 24 hours for like turning down a promotion. And so, and then I was put on this path where it's like, okay, I'm all in now, right? It's like, maybe like, I subconsciously chose, I didn't consciously choose it, but I was like, this is it. This is the world saying to me, it's like, you got to go. And it's like, it's your time now. Right. And Absolutely. so I've full force since that point. Right. And so I hear that, right. Cause I see a lot of people living at 25 and it's like, they've given up on who they are they're not willing to pursue that dream of what they had. Right. And so I do want to ask, cause you said a little bit ago, how, you know, you got to love ourselves and know what we want. Right. It's like how, you know, somebody would say like, well, I'm 31 now or 35. I know what I want. It's like, how would you say to somebody if they are lost? It's like, how do you reconnect with that? Like maybe childish side of that playful side of that creative side? It's like, because there's something inside that's not getting out. I think it's been suppressed by various mm -hmm. things. How do you get it back out of that temple? Yeah. So for us, uh, so Socrates says, ask big questions, get big answers. So self-discovery is a very personal journey. And the way that you can effectively maneuver through there objectively, right? The only way that I can objectively give advice for someone to maneuver through their own consciousness 
is to ask questions that build a framework that allow you to go deeper, right? And get to that temple and get to that understanding to discover it, to bring it out. So a, a foundational question that we always ask is what would you do every day if money did not exist that would make you happy, satisfied, and fulfilled? If money did not exist, what would you do every day to make you happy, satisfied, and fulfilled? Some people, a lot of people say travel, but then you ask them, okay, you can travel, but you know, then like, oh, I can't make money from it. That's not true. Go on Google. You can learn how to travel the world and make money traveling if that's truly what you're passionate about. You can be giving value back to people. Maybe you're writing about the plants. Maybe you're writing about the food. There's ways to travel and make money, you know, in the information age. So when we ask people that question, they, everyone has an answer for that. Do that. Just do that. That's what you want to do. You can design that life right now. You have all the information to do that on Google or YouTube. And there's people already doing that. Like, no matter what you say, there's people already doing that and getting paid to do it. So we always start there. Because I think that brings out that childish side. Like, some people say that. Like, what do you mean if money did not exist? Like, what could I do? You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, they think you have an answer. But, like, money does exist. And you can still do that. You know what I mean? Like, one guy said that he loves fishing. I would just fish all day long. Dude, learn some CPA courses. Go on YouTube. Learn how to run a Shopify site with fishing products. Learn how to make two or $300 a week eating peanut butter, jelly, and crackers until you read more, you skill up. Then you're making $500 a week, $600 a week. Then you get a little better. Then you're making $1,000 a week. Then you're making $2,000 a week. But at least you're still fishing. Right? People like don't, people are scared of that bridge. Like, you can do it at some capacity. You can do it at some capacity as you get better. At least you're doing what you would be doing. So when you do make the money from it, it's like everything's streamlined. You can become unconsciously competent. You can fish all day and have a fishing online that's making you money. Do a course, do a coaching thing, make products, make, make content, right? You make a video out of it and exactly. just like, you know, show people the day life. Cause there's people in an office that would probably love to watch you fishing, even if it's just out in beautiful nature, just doing it because they're not able to escape from their job and they'll be living vicariously through you. Right? There's so many ways to do it. I think people so get many ways, so many, many ways. People get hung up on the money factor. They want to make a million dollars right away, right? It's like, you know, we'll start small, 200, 300, and work your way up because it's not about, you know, you can get to a million, but you have to really be patient on that climb. I found that lifestyle benefits are always worth more than money. And I learned that. So I'm 22, like I said, we're just making some money now. You know, we've had some ten, twenty thousand dollar months. We're not millionaires. Like, we're still in the grind. Like, not all that's profit, like running an agency. Like, we've learned that we can make money. We can close high ticket stuff. We're sustainable and that we're growing. We're meeting awesome people. Um, but something we realized we had an awesome opportunity to go to Thailand and work with Wyndham, the hotel chain, helping them with health retreats, like five to seven day retreats where people are going to come. We're going to give them fitness, juicing, nutrition, personal development, spirituality, all wrapped in a day in paradise. And we realized, and we realized that. Okay, like, so we, so we only had to pay for our flights there, and the food and accommodation was paid for. So we're there, and we're like, wow, beautiful, we're in Phuket, Thailand, everything's amazing, everything's paid for, but then we realized, like, money is such a joke. We want to make money, we want to gain cash flow, but it's such a joke. If we had a million dollars, if, if we had a billion dollars, 
I would still use my money to come to Phuket, Thailand, to be eating the same food that I'm eating, to be eating, to have in this place, and we're not making any money being here. You know what I mean? It was like an exchange of abundance. We pay for our stuff there. We helped out the hotel. They pay for all our food, all our accommodation. And that's when I really realized that money is just like fun bills. Whenever you can, take the lifestyle benefits over money because you would use that money to pay for the lifestyle benefits. Right? The guy that's working in the job that you're talking about that's making 50, 60, 75K a year, doesn't have enough time to go fishing, would spend his money to go get time to fish. But people are so worried about fishing and only making two, three hundred, four hundred dollars, but don't realize that's what you would spend your money for anyways. If you were going to get the money, you would pay for the lifestyle stuff. You would pay to go on trips. You would pay to be fishing. You know what I mean? And people don't realize that. Like, oh, I need more money. I need more money. If you're living the way you want to be living, you're going to make money. It's just like if you're happier, you're more fulfilled, money will be attracted to you for certain. You know what I mean? People are scared of that that bullet you know so that would be my advice is like if if you're there and, and we always say, we call it jumping without the rope that's what we call it like that batman scene right when they're stuck in the cave you know everyone's like climbs up with the rope you climb up you climb up you climb up and they jump everyone's cheering them on and they, they just miss right? and they get back down they don't die and you climb back up with the rope you jump and you just miss you're a couple inches away but they don't realize you know it's until you jump without the rope is the only chance you make it to the other side. That's the only time that you jump far enough that you just make it there because you're not going to die. You know, people don't trust their ability to not die. Okay, that's something Grant Cardone says. Like, you want to learn to sell? You want to learn to close? Spend all of your money. <laughs> Go to zero. <laughs> and you will learn how to close when it's close or die. And that's what we did. That's what we did, dude. Like, we're young. We could take risks. Like, Dude, we have we had no money. It's close or die. We have bills, we have software costs. Like you gotta close or die. And you know, in those situations, that's when you grow. So in the same thing for the person that wants to fish, they have a corporate job, but they don't like. Oh, how am I gonna make money? Don't worry about it. You'll make money. You'll figure it out. Like you're not gonna die. If it really got bad, you could go to your neighbor, ask for a piece of toast and cheese. If it's a hot enough day out, fucking put it right outside. You got grilled cheese. You're not going hungry. You know what I mean? Like people don't realize like if it actually got that bad, you would be okay. If it actually got that bad. If it actually got to that level. Yeah. If it actually got that bad where you went after your dream and just failed. Like in it, like you just exhausted everything. People don't realize that they would still be on their feet. Even after they exhausted everything plus more that they think is not existing, you'd still be on your feet. You'd figure it out. You'd figure it out. Most people would. Not everyone. Most people, most people have the support system. Most people have the, the, the competence. Most people have the resources to figure it out. And, you know, some people think, oh, you know, resource, resource. People figure it out with a lot less resources. You know what I mean? The ability to think and the ability to innovate means that you can figure it out. You know, that's why Mark Zuckerberg's putting internet all over the world. You know, one in 10 people that get access to the internet can take themselves out of poverty which shows you how important information is. Right? Just by getting access to information, one out of 10 people can take themselves out of poverty because they can expand their thinking, they can innovate, they can see new concepts and designs. And that just goes to show the power of it. If you really want it, if you desire it, you can get it. So you know, tie it in that, that, that advice I would give for somebody that is in that job that is wants to get out and is unfulfilled is just go for it. Just go for it recklessly. 
That's the only way it's going to work. The well, only that was going to be my next question for you is like, what is, why do people not leave normal behind? Like in your experience, you've been doing this now for a bit. It's like, what holds people back? Like your advice would be to just go for it. But what is it that holds them back? Is it fear? Like what have you observed? That's really kind of the threshold that holds people from taking that leap, jumping without yeah. that rope. I think there's something that's important. And Jim Carrey said it, right? He's like every decision is based out of either fear or love. Every single decision at its crux is either based out of fear or love. And yeah, like leaving normal behind is risky for the average the average person thinks so. To truly leave normal behind, it's a risk. Will my friends like me? What will my parents think? Am I too much on fire? Am I too happy? Does that make me weird? Am I too myself? Like something I was going to say before I heard this at, a, at a, an event I was at. People are literally dying to be themselves. People are literally dying to be themselves. And that's why they don't live the life that they want to live because they're not even being themselves. Like your true self unequivocally is the most effective version of you. You know, the person that's out there laughing loudly, you know, smiling, like smiling without remorse for being so happy. You know, like we wake up every day. Today's a great day to be great. Our whole entire team says it just changes your day. You know, so I think leaving normal behind is a bit more bold and people are nervous of having that attention, but you don't need that attention. It's just like that thing. Like if you let your light shine, you allow others to let that light shine unconsciously. And they think that it will be met with resistance. And oftentimes they find, wow, people are really supportive of this. Because how could you not be supportive of becoming the best version of yourself and creating things that matter, loving yourself and others more? You know what I mean? Like, if you really, really embody that, like, that's something that, how could you hate on that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I hear that. Like, I went yeah. to Burning Man like four years ago and I went there as, you know, I'm always fascinated by trends and what's going on. And like, because I love humans and I'm always trying to figure out more. And so I went to Burning Man, like, there's something about this culture that I have to understand. And I think the biggest thing about Burning Man is that it is a radical community where you can be who you really want to be, right? Exactly what you're talking about. Where it's like, we're dying to be ourselves unapologetically. And that's what Burning Man is. You can wear the most ridiculous outfit, guys in like tutus and different things. It's just like, and you can be whatever you want and you feel love and you give love more than everywhere, anywhere that I felt before. And so yeah, yeah. now I feel like that Burning Man community is spreading out of the desert and it's like people are embracing like, well, why can't we bring it here, right? And I think a lot of it's like media and culture and kind of how we are so imposed by so many ideas bombarded where we can't authentically be ourselves. But it just, it is, it's out there. And now it's like people are just trying to surface it more and more and bring it through. So I think it's amazing what you're building to leave normal behind because people are longing for that, right? It's like we're all yeah. so hungry for it and we can't be ourselves because we feel like some way there's something wrong about that or it's not fitting the mold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I 100% agree and even when you were saying that like that is what we're trying to do with LMB is like bring that philosophy more online and more in your face you know because even the concept of it being the desert and you know just going on a little tangent so I was just graduated college like I said and our last semester I was running Sofro and the companies and doing school at the same time and so the reason why I'm reframing is that I didn't pay attention in class that much <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I didn't pay attention that much, but there was one thing that I actually learned, or one thing that is, is in my mind that I learned, and it was from this class that I took as a joke, but it's just so interesting how things line up usually where you learn stuff where you don't expect to learn things. And it was in uh, the evolution of human nature. It was an 11100 class. I'm a senior. It was a freshman class. Like A bunch of seniors took it. Like There's something I learned there about reciprocal altruism like in the natural selection. So natural selection is like over time, 
the best, the best, the best performers continue to reproduce. So the idea is that like over hundreds of years, you get certain new adaptations. Like that's how some birds' beaks grow longer over time. It's because you know maybe they had to reach deeper in the flower. So the birds who had the longer beaks reproduce more because they got more nectar, and the birds with shorter beaks who eventually died off. Just for the listeners who may be unfamiliar with natural selection, uh, and essentially what what they talked about is reciprocal altruism, which is the kind of stuff that we're all about. You know, it's essentially giving to others first and taking second. You know, you sleep on the bed, I'll sleep on the floor. You eat first, I'll eat second. You know, you gain you gain this, and I'll get it second. And it's when an organism gives up their reproductive fitness temporarily, with the expectation that they will receive the same act of kindness back from somebody else in the community, right? So you can imagine, like, monkeys, apes, like, give first, and I'll get it back. Uh, say on a grand scale, so currently, being, recipro- being reciprocally altruistic is not reproductively advantageous, meaning over hundreds of years, the individuals who are more predetermined towards war, greed, to both take somebody else's land, grab other people's resources, and take it for themselves, their bloodlines would last more generations because now they have more resources. So over like a macro scale, over hundreds of years, the people who are generally take for themselves are more reproductively fit than the others who give first and take second. That's what that's what it is. However, something very interesting happens when reciprocal altruism hits critical mass. Once reciprocal altruism hits critical mass, it actually becomes reproductively advantageous to be reciprocally altruistic because now you have a larger group of people who are sharing with each other and a smaller group of people who are taking from each other. Where now that this smaller group, the greener group, is ostracized by the group who's more altruistic saying, whoa, 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 whoa. we're all sharing with each other. Now we're prospering. You guys are just taking. So now they're taking from a smaller community. The others are sharing from a larger community. And now they're ostracized. And they end up dying out because it doesn't become reproductively advantageous to take for yourself when everybody else is sharing. And then I think deeper, there's never been a time in history where reciprocal altruists from around the world, right? you're in Canada, I'm in New Jersey right now, just in Thailand, we just went to China, you know what I mean? Like, there's never been a time for reciprocal altruists to team up, to come together, to create these communities, to create these environments where they find others just like them, right? Everyone's just like, oh, I want to find like-minded individuals. It's not that there's any less people. There's not any that there's less. It's just that they've been scattered there hasn't been a way to bring them together. There hasn't been an ideology, a movement, a group, a unification of everything that allows it to hit critical mass in a streamlined, effective, engineered way that's designed on purpose. You know, so that was like the biggest thing I learned in that one class is like, wow, what we're doing actually in natural selection will work over time in hundreds of years should that process just keep continuing. You know, because there is so many trends, you know, I'm big into like big thinking, you know, like you know, Lamayan said the end of the world was 2012. It wasn't the end. It was just a start. It was a shift of consciousness towards higher vibrating frequency, higher awareness, right? People are starting to talk about green, sustainable energy, organic food. The United States has legalized gay marriage. We're talking about police brutality. People are becoming more conscious. Even like your Facebook feed, right? Like the amount of people that like now, like motivation, inspiration, right? It's just like on Instagram, it's just like more people are speaking out about like, hey, let's pursue a higher power. Like I just read an article about this chick who's an actor and she came out as being spiritual, right? 
And so this idea of almost like embracing your spirituality is becoming a lot more acceptable and people can actually speak. It's like, oh, I do feel a higher power. I resonate with that. As before, it's like, you know, like you were worried about how your image would per be perceived or how people are going to interpret you is what it comes down to. Exactly. Exactly. People are starting to be themselves unequivocally. It's starting to be okay to be yourself. It's starting to be okay to ask like, what is that person thinking when, when you, when you're homophobic around them? What is that person thinking when you're, you know, being brutal to them and you're police? You know, like we're realizing that people have a voice. People have a spirit. You know, people have that intangible voice inside our head is becoming so much more tangible nowadays. We're trying to get a much better understanding that something's there and, and, and it's valuable. You know, last time we spoke, I know you're big about tapping into the heart, right? So there's the idea of the mind and there's heart and so and the soul. And so you told me about neurons yeah. in the heart and how like the, the heart almost thinks for itself. So mm -hmm. talk a bit about like, you know, are you an emotional person? Like how much do you follow your heart versus your mind? Like, and I guess it's getting into intuition. Like when you're choosing your path in life, what is the leading mechanism that's leading you on that path? And how do you work that process? Yeah. Um, yeah, so a bunch of people, you know, they think that leading with love, leading with their heart is a naive thing to do. And they oftentimes lead with their mind, lead with their brain, lead with their analytical, logical side of things. To think about all the different scenarios, the risks, the rewards, the pros, the cons, and they really go into everything really deeply. And, you know, heart science is this new phenomenon proven. You guys to look it up. And, you know, it's understanding just certain things about how the heart operates in the, with the body and the energetic fields that you operate with. And, so there's a, about 100 million neurons in your brain, a whole lot of neurons. There's about 40 million neurons in your heart, which means that we've been foolishly taught that your heart takes orders from your brain. However, that's not true. Your heart is a thinking organ similar to your brain. There's not as many organ or, uh, neurons there. However, it is a thinking organ like your brain, where you can lead with the first 40 million to point you in the right direction. Right? If you're lost in the middle of the woods, no amount of analytical, analytical, logical thinking could be more beneficial than being pointed in the right direction and then walking in a straight line. That's how I envision heart science, is that people are lost in the woods, the forest of life. And until they leave with their heart, it's like that Jack Sparrow compass that points you in the right direction of where you need to be going. Use that. Follow your heart first, get pointed in the right direction, and then allow the hundred million to come second and do what they're best at to be analytical, to be logical, to do all the things they need to do. And now you're on the right path and now you can do it. You know, and, and the proof of heart science that it's a thinking organ is like, you look these things up, you know, when people have heart transplants, like maybe a, a young kid has a heart transplant or people have different heart transplants or an older person. And all of a sudden they start having nightmares, you know, stabbings, people getting run over, killed, you know, just, or abuse, like just traumatic things that are very emotional. Then they look back into history. Well, what, what did this person, oh, they just had a heart transplant? Oh, where did, where did that heart come from? Oh, this person? The heart that this person just had was killed in a stabbing, was around domestic violence, was run over. Those memories land on our heart as much as they do our brain. So that in heart transplants, you know, this is how you find like scientific studies in the most extreme cases. When people start getting these flashbacks, these visions, of things appearing real in lifetimes they've not lived after heart transplants shows that your heart is like a brain where memories are, emotional memories let stay there. You know, so heart science is a very real phenomenon that's growing because these new discoveries are showing that your heart is a thinking organ similar to your brain, not at the capacity of your brain, 
However, your emotional field, I would say, is what triggers your logical field, right? If you're more happy all the time, you're more filled, you're more satisfied, your, your language, the words that you use will be aligned with those things, right? When you're anxious, frustrated, you know, and, and maybe your heart's out of whack, like think about how much sharper your words are, how much less patience you have, you know, they work in tandem. You know, people don't realize that they, they truly do work in tandem. You know, how you're feeling influences the, the, the connotation of your thoughts, right? From positive to negative. This next question might not be the easiest for you to ask, but I do like throwing it out there. So I'm guessing at some point you didn't leave normal behind. You were leaving a pretty normal life, right? What chapter did you have to close? Like, what did you have to do as a person to get to where you are that's really significantly fit was like an integral part of your journey that might resonate with somebody else being like you know what this is something you have to work on or close out in your life before yeah. you can really take that next step yeah I, I think for me was so i was a big athlete i always wanted to play professional baseball for like my whole life so i would be on all the teams go to all these trainers like there was a time in high school i think i was driving like 150 to 200 miles a day going from practices back and forth like just really committed to the process. Like I didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't sleep over. Like I was one of those straight ends. Like I'm going for my dream type kids. Like really cool with people, but one of those dudes at a party. Like oh, you know, I don't drink. You know, like good person. Just like oh, that's not me. And not that I have anything against it, you know. But it was a big realization for me. Like living a certain way, and then putting in all the time, putting in all the work. Um, made it on a very good baseball team, top five in the country. My high school coach didn't like. He just thought, he just didn't like my presence. I was like from a blue collar town. I played like inner city kids and I was going to like a prep high school. So I was a little bit more like, you know, white privilege and like how you dress the coach and stuff. Like, I don't know, just brownie nose type people, you know, and that just wasn't how I was. So, um, he barely played me my junior year. The coach called me up on the, on the summer team. He was like, Hey Rob, you know, you're on the A team. How could you be on the A team? How could you face the best pitching in the country? When all your teammates have been the stars of their team, they've had over 100 at bats. You've only had 12 at bats. So they put moved me on the B team. 17, 18 years of like culminating towards this one summer, July 1st. I remember I'm in the room with all my homies, and as soon as the coaches can start calling me legally, you know, for the NCAA, homes just start going. UNC, Texas, Duke, California, everyone, all UVA, you know, all one phone call after the other. That was the only one in the room that didn't get a call in front of everybody. I was like, holy shit, dude. Like you, I probably put tens of thousands of hours into July 1st, my junior year summer, you know, to get that call. I did not get one call. And I was like, wow. Long story short, that summer ends up going. Um, I don't get, I don't get a scholarship for anyone playing baseball. And that's when I like broke down, dude. It was a huge identity thing for me. I'm like, wow, there might be a reality where I go to college and I'm not an athlete. Being an athlete has been so integral in my identity. Like, like, oh, I'm Rob. I play school. You know what I mean? Oh, what do you do? Oh, I play football basketball. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm training. Like, you know, just being an athlete is part of your identity. And that's when I realized, holy shit, you can do everything in life the right way. Like, I've got good grades. I did everything so right. You can go the whole path, do everything right. And at the end of the trail, where you think somebody's going to be there holding what you deserve, they're not always going to have. And that's when I realized, holy shit, I'm never giving my dream and putting it in somebody else's hands again. Because I'm never going to do everything for somebody else to do their end and then them not come through. Be like, whoa, be on like the short end of the stick. So that for me was just a huge shift. That was when I was 18. I knew I wasn't going to work for anybody. I didn't know how that would be. I didn't know how that would manifest. Leave all behind was a distant thought. Like everything was very distant. But that one I was like, wow, I'm going to make a serious paradigm shift. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to playing sports. I'm going to go back to living my life in the way I did when I was a kid. I'm not going to care about the scouts all the time. I'm not going to care about who's in the stands. I'm just going to play football because it's football season now. I'm going to play football like I did and just love it. Not care about what the coaches think. Not care about what the teachers think. Not care about what the kids think. Like, just like, just not care. You know, because that was me. I used to care so much. I used to care about what other people thought. I used to care about what I thought. I used to care about where I stood with other people, where I stood within the community, my status within the community, how much achievements I had within the community. Like, I just cared. And then I was like, care wow, too you much. care too much. And, and usually people tell you caring too much is a good thing. You're going to be better. And, and, and I was good. I was on the teams. I, my care was good. But then you don't get the result. And you have this emotional baggage of caring with no result, which is detrimental. It's like, that's what Buddha talks about, like holding a hot coal. People hold this hot coal and don't realize that you can just let it go. And that's oftentimes your our emotions, right? People think they're holding on to something, burning them, burning them. Just, just let it go. You know, you have a hot coal, just let it go. So. That was something for me. I just it was like, I'm gonna live life not carefree, but just more open, more open. And I ended up playing like really good in football in my senior year. Got a bunch of awards. I ended up getting recruited to Amherst College, the second best of our school in the world, like for football and baseball. So I played two sports, and I was like, whoa, like shit came back together as soon as I like aligned myself energetically the right way. Then I quit both sports my sophomore year at Amherst to do leave them all behind because I realized that like, wow, sports helped me get into this great school. I have all these resources. Like, if I'm going to be here, I need to get smart. I'm never going to be here again. You know what I mean? And I was like, what's my major league attribute? I was like, I'm really trying to go pro here. And I really thought to myself, I was like, why did I want to do that? It was because when I was like five, I was like, you know what? If Derek Jeter said a message, you know, I would probably listen to him just because he's Derek Jeter. I was like, oh, like, if, if I want to say good messages, that's what I've always wanted to do. Have a platform to say good things and inspire people. And when I was younger, my vehicle was just sports. You know, but then as I grew older, learned some other skills, learned entrepreneurship, learned these things like social media, you know, you can have this impact and not be an athlete. And that's what I realized when I saw it. It was like, you know, that I love sports, which I do, but what do I really love? And that was like, so I was like, what's my major league ability? And I was like, it's got to be my brain. My brain's got to be my major league talent. And I quit both sports and, yeah, so then, then it's just been this ever since. So like, again, to, to, to tie it in, like, the changing moment for me, I guess, was to realize that the, one of the biggest complexities of life is to realize how simple it is and just to trust that simplicity and just do it. Like to literally just trust that it's super simple. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. It's not as risky as people make it out to be. It's not as scary out to be. People aren't as cynical as people say. You know what I mean? Like, you just get out there in the real world, like, put your hands in the dirt and start taking action, and you realize, holy shit, all these people have been telling me all these things based out of fear, and it's and I'm finding a different reality. I'm like out of school now for nine weeks or ten weeks. I'm like, is this the real world? This is what people have been telling me is the shittiest thing my whole life. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't have a job. I'm working for myself. I'm doing everything that a 22-year-old person would be considered risky. And I'm like, this is epic. They're like, this is the real world. I meet people like yourself who are filled with love and have great opportunities. I'm surrounded by amazing people, awesome friends. Like, think, 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 things couldn't be better. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I just find that people, I don't know, people are very good at telling other people how to live their life, but don't know how to live their own life. 
Well, and to add to that, I think there's an element of trust, right? Where if you're going to pursue something, even like my podcast and what I'm learning, a point for me right now is like, you have to trust in the universe and trust that it's going to be okay and just kind of go down that path. And because it's dark and unknown sometimes, people don't necessarily want to go that way because I think mean, it's dark for humans. Like we fear it naturally because it's like we want light, we want certainty, and we want to know where we're going. But sometimes you got to believe in the process. And when you do, that's when doors really open up for you and that's when things align for you. Yeah. A good mental image that like I've used in those times of like small doubt is – so say we were going to drive from New York to California, right? And there was a straight road, a highway, you know, which there is, there's a highway you could take from New York to California. And, um, it was dark. Say we, we you know, there's no light, but you only had the headlights of your car and the headlights sh- shown 200 feet in front of you. As you drove from New York to California in the dark, would your headlights show the next 200 feet that would show you what to do? And if there was something to move, an obstacle, you would simply move out of the way. People don't realize that they don't have to see the whole, the whole way. They just need to see the next 200 feet and know that they're on the right path. Cause the next 200 feet will keep unfolding as they keep moving forward in the same way as a car keeps moving forward. The lights show the next 200 feet, 200 feet of buffer. To be able to make the right decision, see what's coming, avoid it if need be, take 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 action on the opportunity that arise while it's there, then you can trust the process because you're always going to see the next 200 feet, right? There's there's no reality that exists where like your lights go out and then you're just driving in the dark completely because then that would be scary, driving completely in the dark. Yes, it would. 100%. But that's not but that's not life. You know what I mean? You you always can see the next 200 feet. You know, if you really think about it, you know, the next decision isn't, isn't that far off. It isn't like usually so not in front of your face that you can't keep, just keep it moving forward. You're an inspirational guy. I'm curious to know who do you turn to for inspiration? Is there a person or a medium that you enjoy? Um, I, I like having conversations. We have like a weekly book club. So like every week for Sofro to work with our company, we read a book a week. So every Sunday we get together. So about 10 books per week. We created a knowledge supply, which is 10 bucks a month. I highly suggest anybody out here that likes knowledge, like we didn't do it to make money. We just did it to help people where we started doing like, uh, these books, on book, book reviews every Sunday. And then we, we created a template that would extract the gold from the book. And then like, we were reading like 10 books a week this way. The average CEO reads like 50 to 60 a year. So then we were like, you know what, let's put the 20 of the best book summaries in our knowledge supply, you know, like, one, two pages, really quick reads that give you all the gold, the key takeaways, the action steps that you need. And then, you know, that'd be like 240 bucks a year and really help people. So I've been getting my inspiration from, it's usually from books, you know, sometimes audios, but I, I do enjoy reading a lot. I think they can give you like a perspective into other people's minds. Um, my mentors have usually been ones that give me advice, you know, or give me opportunity to succeed. Um, you know, but, and, and now being with Gerard, Gerard is, has been coming in as like one of the more influential mentors in my life, you know, who's really kind of like that last step to tie things together of like moving into that space of, you know, that Elon Musk, Richard Branson, you know, big, big, big space just because he's had success. He, he knows that community and, you know, we've been putting in this time now where it's like, be able to align on some things. So like been going to Gerard for some things like 
in terms of running a business. But when it comes to inspiration, like I believe it's really internal, like meditating. And like we've designed our life to have everything positively reinforced to us. You know what I mean? So like I don't have any friends that drain me. Like we have 8 a.m. calls every morning for Sofro, Saturdays at 10 a.m. and then Sunday at like 8 p.m. So I'm like surrounded by my team, like our company culture. You know, like I don't really let too many things get into my mind that take my energy away because I'm so hyper aware of it and designing like the environment that I live in. So I feel like we, it's, it's more so just like a constant inspiration rather than like I'm turning to anyone for like moments of advice. It's more so just like we are always thinking that we're limitless. We're always re- under le- realizing maybe for a moment you get fear or doubt. Like, oh damn, could it really happen? Like, of course it could happen. The universe is abundant and infinite. You know, how could you even ask that question? Like, you can't see it. You're not going to have to see it, you know, but it always comes. And that also is something we, I learned from our CEO, James Mitch, is that the universe is in a, like there's 12 different dimensions of time, which I thought was so interesting. And oftentimes we only see the linear dimension, you know, straight line, A to B. I do work, I get money. But we don't see the other dimensions and times and the way it works, right? It's like when you put in a lot of energy over here doing something, right? Energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. You put into a lot of energy here. And then maybe what you're going for doesn't happen, right? Maybe baseball doesn't materialize. But in another dimension of time, something else is happening, right? Time can go over ways, under ways, roundabout ways. Like how oftentimes you're going for one thing, it doesn't work out. But then somebody else hits you up and is like, oh, I saw you doing that. And it made me reach out to you. Here's a new opportunity. And then you're over here in left field when you thought you were going to be in right field. You know what I mean? Like you don't know how time works. You don't know how you know, what's already in motion energetically being pulled towards you. You know, so that, that I think I just have a deep belief in that, that I just try to stay in that trust. And that keeps me inspired. It keeps me feeling whole. It keeps me aligned with the light. You know, that's what multiple about. It keeps me in flow state. It's more about your environment and constantly being surrounded by the right energy and the right people as opposed to seeking out a specific thing. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like I'm constantly around it rather than having to need it in moments of like repair. People like use motivation and inspiration is to like repair them from other things as opposed to like a catalyst to every day. Amazing. I do want to ask, in the knowledge supply, is there one or two books that you, because I have notes as well, and I review some books like once a year or even every few months, is there a book that you go back to again and again that really stands out to you? Yeah, Start With Why by Simon Sinek is a huge one for me and for us. And like, when you start with why, he talks about the golden circle of marketing, right? So imagine like a bullseye, um, three rings. The outer ring is the what, the middle ring is the how. And the most centering is the why. So oftentimes companies tell you what they do and how they do it, but they neglect to tell you why they do the things that they do. Right? But we live in a connection economy now. We live in a relationship economy where people want to know why you do what you do. Right? You start from the middle. This is why we do what we do. Then you attract people that believe what you believe, do what you do, and say what you say. And the what and the how falls into place in the good times and the bad times. So being able to just engineer that into LNB, SoFro, you know, how we're going to help all these startups out of founders, how we help our clients is starting with why, right? It's that same question. It's at the crux of what would you do every day if money did not exist? That would make you happy, satisfied, fulfilled. That's your why. That's your purpose, right? The only way that you can make $100 million and that's your intention without frustration, without guilt is to do what you love doing, 
right? And and to do what you love doing, that's why you're here. You know, so that's that's really where we start from. So that's a good summary that's always great to go back to. Amazing, man. Any last words you want to or advice you want to leave the audience with if they're listening to based on what we've talked about today? Yeah, my, my parting words of advice would be to accept your infinite genius without guilt and never allow anyone to fragment your belief in yourself and your abilities and what you can do. Because if you just trust and continue doing it, things will work out for certain every single time. That would be my final words of advice. I love it. Where can people find you if they want to track you down or reach out to you? What's the best way to uh, reach out to Rob? Yeah, absolutely. So Rob Fajardo on Facebook. Um, Rob underscore Fajardo on both Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat's been a great medium that we've been using to get some daily motivation each day as well. Some fun stuff, us dancing, us traveling. So getting a behind-the-scenes look, Snap is where it's at, Rob underscore Fajardo. Um, and Facebook is where we've been giving a lot of value, Rob Fajardo, um, F-A-J-A-R-D-O. Feel free to send a message. If you have an idea that you need help with, um, you have an app that you need to create a website done, anything business-wise we can help, anything life-wise in terms of finding community, um, events, concerts, merch. Um, if you need some mindset help, we can help with those things too. So Rob Fajardo, um, our site is sofro.co. It's currently going under construction. However, you know, by the time this podcast is up, I'm sure that everything will be up and running. So sofro.co, Rob Fajardo, Rob underscore Fajardo on Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat's a great platform. Please reach out to me um, and connect. Facebook's a great medium to do that. Send me a message. Thank you, brother. I love the conversation today. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Philip. I appreciate you having me on here. Next chapter is awesome. It was great having you, man. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Rob Fajardo. I was blown away by his knowledge, his quotes. They certainly resonated with me. There's one thing that I want to highlight and point out from this podcast when Rob was talking about his story when he was in trying to become a baseball player, getting an NCAA double scholarship, he talked about the experience he had when everyone in the locker room got phone calls for scholarships, but he didn't. And at that point, he decided that the next thing he did, he wasn't let somebody else have power over his end result, his outcome. And he wanted to be in full control of that. And at that point, he decided, he asked himself a question, like, what is your major league ability? And if you remember the story, Rob was talking about he wanted to become a major league baseball player because at that point, he wanted to make an impact with the message when he was a pro athlete, people were going to listen to him. But he realized he didn't need to become a pro athlete for people to listen to him, to share his message, to inspire people. And that's what he realized, that his major league ability was to move people, and he wanted to make an impact in that sense. And that's what I invite you to do, and ask yourself, what is your major league ability? If you're here listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're looking to pivot into a new chapter, leave your normal behind, or you're on that path already, and you're looking for more knowledge. You want to head in that direction. And the key thing is really playing into your major league abilities and how those shape your life because that's where you can make the biggest impact. That's my final thought for you guys. If you like this podcast, jump onto iTunes, subscribe there, or onto my email list at philipsprincy.com. I'm currently working on this PDF that four things that changed my life. If you're on that list, I will send it to you as soon as it's ready. 
If you enjoyed this episode and it resonated with you, I ask that you share it with one person. This is how the podcast continues to grow from everyone who shared episodes. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for tuning in. This is it from Aruba, my first episode being a digital nomad. Thank you guys for so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you on the show next time.